0: Let's, uh, let's open us prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we just thank you for the, the great privilege it is to come together to worship you, to learn about you, uh, to learn about the, the great works that you have accomplished uh, in saving uh, such an unworthy people. Uh, and Lord, just your great love toward us. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us as we uh, study these things, that you would give us greater understanding, that you would give us a greater appreciation uh, for these truths. And uh, Lord, that it would impact our lives, that just day to day we would think about these things, and that we would strive more and more to, to live a life worthy of the calling with which you have called us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so, continuing our study on the atonement. And because I like to make sure you guys are getting the full benefit of everything, and it doesn't just drift out of your mind every week, we start with just a little bit of review. Um, and what I did last week, I think I think I actually like better than what I've been doing, where I just ask you to try to remember the topics. I'm going mean, to just tell you the topics, okay, and then yeah. you tell me. Oh, good. What is it? <laughs> what is, What does that mean? So. Um, So once again, we started with the centrality and necessity of the crucifixion. What what was that? Centrality and necessity.
1: Necessity was basically just about how Jesus had to die Mm -hmm. uh, because of all the promises that God made, because of God uh, staying true to his character, Mm -hmm. keeping the justice of God, but also at the same time being merciful saving People
2: would come mm-hmm.
3: say that was necessary that way. Yes, absolutely. A man sinned and a man had to pay the penalty. For yep, sin. yep. That's absolutely right.
0: What about the uh, what about the centrality? I you remember what we that was a, that was a much briefer discussion. May I remember? It is central to the gospel. That's exactly right. Okay. Yes. If you look at the preaching of the apostles. The, the crucifixion was central to it. Um, in fact, Paul went so far as to say on one occasion, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. For him, that was the central aspect of the gospel message, was the, uh, was the crucifixion of Christ. And the resurrection as well, not to, not to leave that out. But, that, but basically, the atoning work of Christ was absolutely central to the message. Um, we talked about reconciliation. What is what is that? Do I remember, or is everybody just being really polite and letting other people answer? <laughs>
1: What's that? I didn't hear it, so... Oh,
0: reconciliation, or you didn't hear the message? I didn't hear... No, I didn't hear it, the question. question Oh, so yeah, sorry. reconciliation.
1: Reconciliation. Oh, that was basically about how the atonement uh, reconciled us to God. Okay. It was an objective thing that happened in the past. And okay. We have now been reconciled to God. His wrath has been taken away. Okay.
3: Because we are estranged from God. Mm-hmm. The end of the world is estranged, and we have to... Prepare. We have to make up, right? Yeah, say.
0: yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a transition from a state of hostility and estrangement to God, to a state of reconciliation and peace with God.
3: And it's okay. not nothing that we have to do, right? That's what's good about the gospel. It's something God does. Absolutely,
0: <laughs> absolutely. Um, substitution. When we talked about that, what Christ did was substitutionary. What are we talking about there?
4: Well, because we are estranged from God mm-hmm. then um, there's a cost to be paid for that rebellion against him and rather than us paying that mm-hmm. cost, Christ was our substitute. He's the one that took our place mm-hmm. and our punishment
0: for yeah. yeah, he took our place. He did it for us. He was our substitute. So there's that, that idea of him Standing in for us. Propitiation, here's one of those big words. Um, What are we talking about when we talk about propitiation?
3: God's anger and wrath is turned away from us. Exactly.
0: It's the idea that God is wrathful towards us because of our sin and He was propitiated, his wrath was turned away so that he is no longer wrathful
3: towards us. That price, that that propitiation, not made to Satan, it's made to God.
0: Right, right. And that fits in very well with the next topic where we had redemption and ransom. What's the concept there?
1: The Redeemer pays the price Mm -hmm. Um, that's required to to purchase something. Mm
0: Yep. Yeah. So he he God. buys us back, right? Yes. Yeah. God redeemed His
3: people out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what much of the Old Testament whole, Old Testament culture was based upon, mm-hmm. having a kinsman redeemer mm-hmm. to uh, buy us back, to redeem yep. us. Yep.
0: yep. And I guess I remember even one of the things we talked about specifically was like some of the some of the um, you know God God basically said that all the firstborn were His, and but like. The the donkeys they, he didn't want sacrificed and the uh, and obviously the people he didn't want sacrificed and so they had to be redeemed. The people had to had to buy those back so that, you know, with some other sacrifice. So it's the idea of buying back. Um, we talked about triumph over Satan. What's that about? Seed of
1: the woman shall uh, the seed of the woman shall crush the head of the seed of the serpent. Mm-hmm. It was. It's, I mean, it's about the fact that he has just dis- destroyed the works of Satan. He's defeated him. Uh, he defeated them. We were in his, the kingdom of darkness, but we have been transferred to the kingdom of light through Christ. Yep. that's exactly right.
3: But that struggle and battle goes on every day of our lives until we leave here. That is true. It's tough. And then
0: last week, we started talking about Old Testament types. Um, and I, I mentioned that, like, there's types and there's prophecies. And I remember that was, you know, what was an unfamiliar distinction, I guess, um, to a lot of you guys. You remember, um, for those of you who were here last time, what we were talking about. Um, we will talk about Old Testament types. Even if you weren't here, and you wanted to jump in,
1: <laughs> you Remember? And types would be basically prefigures of uh-huh. Christ, and specifically since we're talking about the atonement, uh, uh-huh. his work on the cross in the Old Testament, um, prophecies are basically a foretelling that uh-huh. this is going to happen, right? Right.
0: Yeah. But then the type is just—it's a picture of it, right? Yes. So we talked about the Day of Atonement. We talked about the Passover. We talked about uh, Abraham going to offer up Isaac on Mount Moriah. So pictures that show us um, the—you know—the future uh, events of the atonement. All right. So this morning we're going to talk about Old Testament prophecies. So these are much more explicit. Just, this is what's going to happen. So, um, and I expect we're going to spend most of our time in probably the most famous Old Testament prophecy of the crucifixion, uh, which is found primarily in Isaiah 53. Um, we're actually going to start in uh, the end of Isaiah 52 because the, the discussion of the suffering servant begins back there. Um, we will be... Uh, jumping around to various other passages particularly in the new testament but we're going to keep coming back to this we're just going to kind of try to walk through this a little bit and kind of discuss what it means and um kind of what what things in the actual events of the life of jesus that these things point to so beginning in Um, Isaiah 52. um, I'm going to read verses 13 and 14 just to get started here. Uh, He says, Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted, as many were astonished at you. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. Now, hopefully already we're we're seeing like some specific references to things that happen um, in the New Testament. So, let me just ask you. I mean, that just it. You you all should know already that the servant that's being spoken of here is Jesus. It'll be abundantly clear as we continue if you're not already familiar with that. Um, but just in those first uh, two verses, um, what do we see there? That reminds us specifically of the events in the life of Jesus.
1: It says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor
0: of God. Yeah. So the sermon is going to act wisely, and we see that that's very much what he did. And also, just the idea
4: of being high and lifted up. And the New Testament talks about that and mm-hmm. makes reference to the cross and uh, Christ's crucifixion upon that. And He says, when He's high and lifted up, all men will be drawn to Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, there, in John
0: twelve, I believe, yeah. is where that's at. Yeah. yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. And also, just His appearance being marred and mm-hmm. and His uh, uh, vlogging and uh-huh. And beating and stuff before even his crucifixion right. and the way he suffered before that as well
0: yeah yeah so prior to his crucifixion they, they gave him quite a beating um, and just yeah you have here this picture of someone who is is beaten up you know, beyond recognition really mm-hmm. um, let's look at verse 15 there uh, it says so shall he sprinkle many nations kings shall shut their mouths because of him Uh, For that which has not been told uh, them, they see. And that which they have not heard, they understand. So, here, what do we see being referenced? What do you think it means that he will sprinkle many nations? Is the idea of sprinkling, is that is that a new concept at the point of the writing of Isaiah? Um, or is there some kind of
1: context for that? The, the priest would sprinkle the blood on the mm-hmm. altar. Uh,
0: to, to talk to the yeah, yeah. So you have there just the sacrificial system being referenced, right? Uh, in uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 10, Verses 19 to 22, and if you do flip forward with me, just be sure you hold that Isaiah passage because that's <laughs> no. that is where we're staying. So, but Hebrews 10, um, verses 19 through 22, Hebrews is obviously a, a very focused on the atonement and the connections with the Old Testament sacrificial system. Um, but Hebrews 1019 22 it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up, o- opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So they're very clearly just the idea, not just of the sprinkling of blood on the altar, but that um, through what Christ has done, we ourselves are, in a sense, sprinkled with blood and cleansed uh, from our sin. Anything else in uh, Isaiah 52:15 there?
1: Even mentioned even mention that it shall be exalted. Doesn't specifically speak of the atonement, but definitely mm-hmm. Christ. Um, what happens to him after he uh, dies? He's raised again. Now he's been uh, lifted high. So mm-hmm. Everyone else, he's been sorry, not, not lifted high. What's that? i just really. I'm using the language there that refers to the cost but he's been raised up above all the kings of this earth. he's mm-hmm.
0: been given the seed of honor. Mm-hmm. Right. He has been raised up above all the kings of this earth. Um, anything else? Something that actually will pop up um, a number of times throughout this, um, and as we look at another passage as well, but, um, you notice it says that he will sprinkle many nations. What do you think that's in reference to? Salvation is
1: not just for the Jews. Right?
0: Right? Yeah, I mean, think of the, of the context of the Old Testament and the, 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 the sacrificial system. It was, it was for the Jewish people, right? Um, but here we have hints that um, this salvation will actually go uh, to the nations, right? He will sprinkle many nations. Um, I think even the idea that kings will shut their mouths because of him, for uh, that which has not been told them they see and that which they have not heard they understand. It's, I mean, it's the idea of those who have, um, who have not been exposed to the truths of God are going to benefit from this. Um, Paul even quotes this, um, I don't remember exactly where, but um, when he's talking about his uh, desire to go and proclaim the gospel where it has not been heard. Uh, he actually even quotes this passage uh, along those lines. We're going into Isaiah 53. Um, it starts off with a question: um, Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Why do you think that question's there? What is that? What is that about? Any thoughts? Well, this, is, uh, this is quoted in the New Testament um, in John chapter 12 um, verses uh, 37 and 38 John chapter 12 verses 37 and 38 it says though he had done so many signs before them they still did not believe in him so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So given a little context from John there, a little commentary, what's what's going on here?
3: Israel, the prophets speaking to israel and they didn't believe right and then 600 700 years later they still don't believe mm-hmm. after all this time right god's been telling him telling him telling him and he hadn't soaked in yet right right yeah
0: yeah many people um, in Jesus's day and down to our day just continue to reject the message Did you have something you look like you were going to no, say something no, go ahead okay I just agree. Yeah, um, and so we see that like one of the things that's true about the suffering servant that's prophesied is that uh, when he comes um, basically the message of that suffering servant is going to be rejected um, what
3: did the disciples say when Jesus kept telling them I'm going to have to die I'm going to have to I'm gonna, you can't imagine all the things I'm none of them believe it no right. that ain't going to happen to right. you Lord right. it did
0: it was, it was, it was, definitely not what people were expecting. But if they had really dug into this passage here in Isaiah, uh, they should have expected things to go exactly the way he did, the way the way that they did. Um, continuing on in Isaiah 53, um, in verse two, it says, "For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground." He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not." So very similar concept here, right? Um, Just the idea that he uh, will be rejected um, is there anything else we can derive from this passage? He certainly wasn't what people expected, right? People
2: um,
0: understood prophecy well enough to know that uh, Christ would be coming. The Redeemer of Israel would be coming. Um, but. Um, they expected something much more glorious. Their eyes were much more uh, looking at a worldly perspective as far as an earthly king who would conquer their physical enemies um, without really considering the spiritual realities. Um, and so, yeah, he didn't He didn't have majesty. Uh, he wasn't just this great charismatic figure that uh, everybody wanted to... To follow, instead, he was he was despised. He was rejected. Um, people uh, did not like him. He was a man who was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief.
3: Verse two does give us a, a reflection of what he looked like physically. We don't know. It seems to be talking about that. You know, and then all the Hollywood movies we see about <laughs> Christ life and all that. He's a record Hollywood leading man star type, you know. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yes.
0: Yeah. You don't. You don't want to get your ideas about what yes. Jesus looked like from from Hollywood because they're always going to they're always going to put a good looking guy in the lead role. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, pres- presumably he was average at best in the way he looked um, you know and maybe maybe uh, worse than that
3: well the average Jew doesn't look like the average American that ever, right. you know I mean, right. back then yeah yeah but, but I mean
0: I think we can safely say that as he walked around yeah. like just just to look at him he wouldn't have drawn anybody's attention as anything special
3: so oh what we get up in the morning take a shower you know
0: Whatever, and they might go months without a (laughs) bath. That's probably true. Um, Considering again um, New Testament here, uh, John chapter 15, uh, verses 18 and 19, Um, here in the in the final part of Jesus's earthly ministry, he's speaking to his disciples, and he said, "If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Uh, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, uh, or, uh, yeah. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. So, um, one thing that we we should understand is that." It's not simply that he was an unlikable guy um, but very much more that um, he wasn't anything special necessarily on his own but really it was his words, it was the things he said to people that turned him from being somebody that you could just ignore to somebody that the world hated. Uh, The world hated him because he confronted them uh, with their sin he told them the truth um, he told them a great many things that they did not want to hear and here Jesus is saying that um, that's that's what uh, that's what his followers should expect for themselves is that um, that we will be despised and hated if we are following in the footsteps of Jesus
3: both um, of us when we greet one another this morning. How you doing? Great. How are you, Rick? Oh, it's great. I mean, sometimes it makes us feel a little, a little odd. Okay. I haven't suffered any persecution this week. I don't know. Of course, if you haven't how's things going, oh, you wouldn't believe the persecution I went through this past week. It's kind of yeah. hard to yeah. make well, it all
0: fit. We, we, we live in a day where... Um, and in a part of the world where persecution is not uh, very severe. Um, I mean, its I would say that it's steadily getting worse, you know, that that Christians are viewed more and more negatively in our society. Um, But there is still a large amount of, you know, toleration for uh, Christian ideas. Um, Well, I I think, too, there's, there's probably more
4: hate out there than we experience God in His restraining grace has not yet let that be expressed but I think that's coming you know
3: so most of the time we kind of hard to know how to to talk to people we can't talk to them lots of times the way Jesus did because of course we don't know their hearts like like, like Jesus did some of the things that He said to people if we would say the same thing we'd probably get punched in the nose (laughs) yeah
0: It is true. So yeah, it is. It is true. We don't have we don't have the level of insight that that uh, he did when he was on Earth. Um, but uh, it certainly has been my experience, though, that um, if you have a conversation where uh, your Christian views come out, um, you you will frequently experience some level of hostility because uh, Christian views are becoming more and more unpopular. But. Certainly in the life of Jesus, um, he was uh, very harshly treated. Very, I mean, it's like the the religious leaders, um, in particular, uh, were just very hostile toward him. Um, and, I mean, obviously, it, it got him killed. Um, um, continuing on in Isaiah 53... which really is just kind of a mine of little things about the life of Jesus. Um, so in verse 4, um, it says, uh, and actually I'm just, just going to read half of verse 4, uh, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows.
2: Any thoughts about that? It's a
0: a concept here that has not yet appeared in this passage
1: of the Suffering Servant. Mm-hmm. He's taken our sh- shame upon himself, also, mm-hmm. up so yeah. uh, The shame that is ours because of sin, he's put that upon himself. I'm sorry? The shame that is ours because of our sin, mm-hmm. he's put that
0: upon himself, too. Yeah. Yeah. Which sort of points us back to the whole substitution mm-hmm. yeah. we talked about earlier.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I guess if if you're defending the doctrine of substitution, um, Isaiah 53 is a great place to go because it's it's as we'll see as we continue, it's very much in here. But yeah, it's we're we're brought to the idea of substitution that um, he's borne our griefs, um, he has carried our sorrows. These are things that were not his, um, and but they were laid on him, and he took them for us. This is actually another passage uh, that is uh, referenced in the New Testament. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. It says, That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Uh, This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So there we see um, Matthew applying it specifically to physical illness um, And you know we, we often think of things in terms of our, of our spiritual state which is, which is good. We don't want to neglect that. Um, but there also is a sense that um, that even our physical um, problems are basically taken care of in the cross. Now we don't see the full benefit of that until glory Um, while we still live in these bodies we're still going to get sick and have all sorts of trouble Uh, but ultimately that is dealt with and we are going to get new resurrection bodies that never have any of these problems that we have Um, and so that's a that's a great thing
2: Um,
0: continuing then uh, in isaiah 53 with the rest of verse 4 and continuing. Uh, It says, Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts? Anything that anybody sees in there that? Propitiation. What's that? Propitiation. Propitiation. Okay.
1: Stricken, smitten, afflicted by God.
0: Yeah. Um, crushed for our iniquities. Yeah, yeah. So we see just yeah the ideas of substitution and of propitiation, the wrath of God being turned away because Christ took the wrath for us, right?
4: I think about. Uh, the scriptures talk about how anyone that's hung on a tree is cursed by God mm-hmm. you know.
3: um, yeah. mm-hmm. This crucifixion this form of execution is mm-hmm. undoubtedly mm-hmm. the most gruesome that mankind has ever divided mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, think firing squad or hanging or gas chamber. none of these things would fit you know God God knew that that's why he chose this particular time in human history to, mm-hmm. to have us all come to a, mm-hmm. a, a completion whatever you know. yeah. And and the, the physical suffering that Christ went through or just, just put yourself going, going through that no one would want that right. you know, we can choose the way that we're going to leave this life a crucifixion would not be the, our, our first, first, first choice and it, as gruesome as that was, of course your soul sufferings were, were worse you know. yeah. we, we just can't even begin to imagine the
0: yeah yeah, definitely definitely was a, a very humiliating way to die, which I'm, I'm sure was a large part of the appeal for the people that used it like leave somebody hanging there for probably days, yeah. um, suffering, and it sends a message to people.
3: Um, there were many people that were that were executed in that way. And here, the Creator of, of the universe, Creator of us, chose to do that for us. It's just mind-boggling, yeah, that is, that is. Mm-hmm. i don't know if this
2: is
1: for you too language here, but he pierced for our transgressions, Jesus, after he was dead,
0: was actually physically pierced uh, mm-hmm. by the spear. So let's see. Oh yeah, yeah, because he was he was pierced for our transgressions. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's specifically referencing that or not. Oh, yeah, but I mean, you sure can. That, but. but uh, definitely a a great deal of suffering language here um, but very much tied to the idea of substitution that these things were for us and not just for us but because of our sins right? He was pierced for our transgressions, Um, he was crushed for our iniquities Uh, and upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace And so this was chastisement that was due to us and you know and it does it has the idea of reconciliation as well here like it brought us peace um and uh, i think pastor rick was uh possibly looking at 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 this part the that we esteemed him stricken and spent my god is that what you were referring to when you're talking about the 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 curse yeah because it's like cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree um i don't remember if we talked about it in the past or not but the the Galatians three passage, um, where you know Paul really brings that out, you know, that uh, he became. Um, I guess that's not. Is that right? Is that where the he became a course. curse for us? I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. he became a curse for us, um, because we could not um, keep the law. Uh, so basically, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform, them. and. um, and he took that curse for us, um, and so yeah. From from outward perspective, it's like we're we're looking at him, and he's he's um, he's stricken, he's smitten by God, he's afflicted. But that was all for us. Um, and then we see the language there of of uh, sheep uh, going astray, um, and. Again, the idea of substitution, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all.
2: Um,
0: Peter specifically references this passage uh, in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24. He kind of just gives a summary of, of this, uh, this whole idea in, in very similar language. Says He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed for you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So, I am sure that he very much had this passage in mind when he wrote that. Anything else before we move on to the next part of Isaiah 53? Okay, Verse 7 says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep uh, that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. If you've spent some time with the Gospels, this concept should be familiar. What does is, what is this remind us of? They,
2: they accused
1: him, um, of Jesus offered no defense. Right, right,
0: Yeah, yeah um, in fact, and we're just looking at 1 Peter 2, just the previous verses, verses 22 and 23, uh, Peter says, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then in the Gospels explicitly, just going through the trial of Jesus, which uh, Ben was talking about, uh, Matthew chapter 27, uh, verses 11 through 14. It's actually, it appears multiple places, but just just one example here Matthew 27. says, Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. there we see
2: um,
0: Jesus very much fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah 53 even in that uh, that when he was on trial he didn't attempt to defend himself uh,
2: but um,
0: entrusted himself to God as Peter said That that was his hope back in Isaiah 53 again um Verse 8, it says, By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked. Actually, let me, let's let's just stop right there. So, just verse 8. So by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? Do you see anything interesting there?
2: He was
1: kind of like, he was unjustly accused. Mm-hmm. He was oppressed, even though he was, he was innocent.
2: Yeah. Um, and he was judged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if you if
0: you go back and you review the the trial of Jesus, it certainly does not look like it was a very just trial. Um, it was oppression that uh, led to his condemnation. It was a
3: doubt the most as far as trials go, the most miscarriage of justice that's ever happened on planet Earth. What would we do? I'd be kicking and screaming and hollering. <laughs> oh man! Yeah,
0: it's uh, it's, it's definitely when you when you feel like you are being treated unfairly, it's definitely very hard to, to just hold your tongue, for sure. What about that um, what about that phrase? And as for his generation. It's kind of an odd one, isn't
2: it? I'm referring to just the fact
1: that uh, they were unaware of how he was fulfilling the prophecy. They were just, they, they were not esteeming him up from God. They were seeing him. Yeah, something like that.
3: Okay. So several times, you know, Jesus and Luke and... Matthew, he talked about this generation. This generation will not pass away, or this generation will be mm-hmm. Okay. But, uh, well, I don't think I don't behind.
0: think those are I don't think those are the right direction. Um, I don't think that's the definition of generation that's actually being used here. And I see Pastor Rick nodding his head.
4: But it looks like he's still thinking. Well, I was just saying it says his generation. It's not Uh really talking about the generation of men, so. That's a kind way of
2: putting it. Wow. Here's here's here's
0: a thought for you, and you know I'm 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 not perfect in my Bible exegesis, so I couldn't be mistaken here. But um, I'm inclined to think that that's talking about descendants. the idea of.
2: Okay, anyway,
0: so... Having children, right? Um, listen, listen. The idea that, I mean, one, one thing that, is, that was considered a great blessing uh, for Jewish people was is if they would have children and that, you know, it would continue on the, their, their heritage. Um, but, and I think, I think that what is being said here... As for his generation, as for his descendants, as for his children, who considered he was cut off out of the land of the living, he wasn't enabled to have children because he was killed. Is that
4: like that day of dying young? Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: It's it's. I mean, that's a that's a concept that that comes up. Let's see. I'm trying to remember here. Um, I may be thinking more of Psalm 22.
2: Mm-hmm. Gonna cover.
0: Guess I should have been slightly more prefer- prepared for this one, um, but I think I think I'm probably just like. In a sense I'm I'm uh, carrying over my understanding of Psalm twenty two into this.
2: this is all three and then over here. This is just off enough, the so you know, they wouldn't be considering like the Jews that were denying the I'm sorry. It wouldn't be considering like the Jews in his generation that were denying them. Like see he said, Right. You know, it's not convincing.
0: I I think it's the idea of just like of children. Is that, I don't know. I mean I could be wrong.
2: Um
0: I'm looking trying to find it in the and if you read a little
2: further,
0: why it
2: a question? Say it again? Mm-hmm. Um, let's
3: see. sorry. <laughs>
4: Um, I would think that would be more to do with the stricken for the transgression of my people maybe that they didn't understand
3: was looking forward to the, to the time he was in the world you know, his, that, that particular time that he lived I have to say that uh, uh,
4: I mean, I I just... I'm not sure. Well, I just wonder if there, where it says, who considered that he was cut off, And in other words, it's not just so much that he was cut off, but Mm -hmm. the reason why he was cut off, that he Mm -hmm. was cut off because he was stricken for the transgression of people, that people probably didn't understand the reason why Mm -hmm. he had to die. You know, and and we see that in in Acts, where it talks about, you know, how, um, well, in a lot of different places... And the scripture talks about how they didn't understand the reason why Christ had to die. They had understood what God was doing. They would not have killed him. Right.
0: I wish I remembered exactly where this was in Psalm
2: 22.
3: I think it's in Psalm 22.
0: Well, maybe we should just save that for further discussion in the future. Um, Because I think it will come up in Psalm 22. So we'll skate over that briefly for now because we are almost out of time. Um, So continuing on here, verse 9. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth.
3: That's a pleasant statement, I think. Okay, made his his grave with the wicked. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what he's even talking about there. Right. I've read lots of commentaries. I don't think the commentators know what he's talking about. Right. He
2: wasn't
1: necessarily buried with the wicked, but did die
2: with the
3: wicked. mm -hmm. That's what he could be referring to. And they made his grave with the wicked. Mm. Not that he died, died between two two crooks. But, I okay. Well, I mean, I'd have to compare it with several
4: other translations. I mean, He's one, the only righteous man that died. Yeah, that is that is true. <laughs> Everyone is true. else was wicked, right?
0: Yeah. Um, and he was, um, you know, this this will this will come up later, but um, in uh, in Luke. 22:37, uh, 37 uh, Jesus says for I tell you the scripture must be fulfilled in me and he was numbered with the transgressors and for what is written about me has its fulfillment and so I mean there was definitely the idea you know and that's in reference to a, a later passage here in Isaiah 53 but um, there is definitely the idea that he was basically viewed as a criminal um, in his uh, in his whole uh, trial and execution um and it may mean nothing more than that, but it's it's simply that um, that's um, that's kind of the context in which his death occurred was just the
3: idea of of a wicked person. The um, general public thought that, you know. But but the Roman soldiers that were there doing it, it finally dawned on them this guy's getting get, getting a raw deal
0: now, <laughs> right? Yeah, there, there was uh, after after his death. There was definitely one of them that when was his death. Roman soldier probably was this.
3: Is the son of God? Right, right.
0: Um, but uh, but we do see that he was um, he was buried in a rich man's tomb, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew 27, uh, 57 through sixty. Uh, when it was evening there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph uh, who also was a disciple of Jesus he went to Pilate uh, and asked for the body of Jesus Then Pilate ordered uh, it to be given to him and Joseph took the body wrapped it in a clean linen shroud and laid it in his own new tomb uh, which he had cut in the rock and he rolled a great stone to the entrance of the tomb and went away so he was uh, buried in the context of. Of wealth that he didn't actually have himself.
3: Yeah. In the first first century, burial practices were quite a bit different than right? what they are today. Today, have we think of someone getting buried, we think of a graveyard and we go out there to the hole, you know, put the castle down. I'd like to see more 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 pictures of you know the first first century burial places. You know, just things dug out in the side of a hill or dug out in the side of rocks. And he mm-hmm. said it was a new grave that had been hewn out. You know, what's that mean? I don't know what it means, but I just can't imagine someone just getting placed in there and a big stone rope rolled across it.
0: Yeah,
3: it's kind of foreign to us. Yeah, it's it is kind of, it I is think. different
0: than the way that we yeah. do burial, but um, and it. Um, and I mean, I don't know exactly the different gradations between uh, you know the wealthy and the poor, but. I, I'm assuming that yeah. it would have been a far less grand thing for poor people to be buried. Um, they I buried mean, people, and the ground
3: too back then, didn't they? I don't know.
0: I, I, some I, I believe so. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, they would put them in caves or, I mean, there's probably all sorts of things What's, that they do. I don't
3: understand the difference. If you're rich, you can, you can be buried inside one side of a mountain.
0: What's the matter? <laughs> well, i got to say, one thing you definitely see through history is that yeah. um, a lot of wealthy people want very grand um, well, like places the for their bodies to, to lay. Look at the pharaohs and the,
3: yeah. you mm-hmm. know, the burial places they yeah. had. They were pretty, pretty elaborate. <laughs> uh-huh. Right,
0: right. Well, in light of the time, and um I, I suspected we wouldn't get to Psalm 22 um, but I was I was kind of planning to finish Isaiah 53 but it's we are out of time and this is just a reasonable place to stop. so um, Lord willing, next week we will pick up and finish Isaiah 53 uh, as a prophecy of the atonement and then we will also look at Psalm 22. So let's uh, let's close the prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we, we just thank you, uh, again, for the great, uh, the great work of salvation that you have accomplished through Jesus Christ. And Lord, just the, the assurance of it that we have, um, just in looking at, uh, at prophecy, that hundreds of years before it happened, you, um, through your prophet Isaiah, uh, laid out so many details of what Christ would go through. Um, And Lord, we can just see that it was all part of your plan. Uh, It was something that you purposed uh, from before the foundation of the world uh, in order to redeem your people. And Lord, I just pray that we would be properly humbled by that, realizing Mm -hmm. that we are simply objects of your mercy. We are not uh, in any way uh, worthy or deserving. Uh, Lord, we are, we are only deserving of Your wrath and Your curse. Um, but Lord, in Your sovereign mercy, You have chosen to save us. Um, and Lord, I just pray that, um, that that would truly shape the way we live our lives. That we would uh, be conformed to the image of Christ. Lord, just that um, your people uh, would be uh, the spotless bride that you have promised that they would be. So Lord, we know you will answer that prayer and Lord, we we long to see it. Lord I pray that you would be with us uh, through the rest of our service as we uh, continue to worship you in the the preaching of your word and the the singing and the praying and uh, Lord just uh, all the, the wonderful things that you have given us um, as a means of strengthening us and giving us the opportunity to to praise you. Um, Lord, just may that be our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Hopefully next week, if you're
3: asking, which pastor?